and welcome to the session on the amazing shoulder. And I'm just, I'm just amazed and, and um, I'm, I'm honored and humbled to be standing before you. Uh, it's not like I come credentialed with all these wonderful degrees. Um, I bring to you um, experience. I'm into my 29th year as a physical therapist and I've loved every one of those days in this profession. And um, if opportunity arises during this, I, I was a physical therapist at Bach Christian Hospital for 14 years, and uh, those, those were some tremendous years. Um, we don't have time to go into a lot of those stories. You'll see some pictures. Um, that's, up in, that's way up on the Deosai Plain in the Himalayas, and my heart often goes there. And, of course, Pakistan is in the news and so you're hearing a lot about that. But we're here actually to talk about therapy and to talk about the shoulder. Um, again, I, I don't come to you with all these wonderful letters after my name, but I've found some things that work, and some of them are very new to me. Um, and maybe some things I'll be saying, you say, oh, that's, that's been in my curriculum. Um, I just want it, maybe it'll be a reminder. Use those things that you've been taught, and, I, and hopefully I can share where I've found that some of those techniques, and we're going to be basically talking about manual techniques today, really have been effective and I've found effective. And so I hope we can communicate that today. This is an eclectic approach. Um, and so just wanting to share share from my heart about therapy and also hopefully a little bit of Pakistan will come out. It's been brought to my attention that there's a discussion group for physical therapists at 4 o'clock and you can find that in your book. I don't know where. It's in the educational wing somewhere. And 280? Great. And I will be there as well. So if you'd like to have more conversation, um, ask some more questions of me afterwards. I'm around at the team booth as well. Um, so you can catch me there. I'd love to talk about therapy and, and missions and my time in Pakistan. Um, and so don't, don't get enough opportunity to, to talk about that. When, where I live, it's a very small, small rural area in northern Michigan. You could tell by my accent, I'm not from south of the Mason-Dixon line. And so my, my folks that I take care of, it's, it's a, a wide range. We're the only um, physical therapy department for 60 miles for most people. So we don't have a lot of competition. And so we see, we see, you know, grandma who's had a stroke to all the folks that have had knee and hip and shoulder replacements to the, the guy out in the woods that's got a bad back or a bad knee, bad elbow, gets his hand smashed in a piece of equipment. Um, so that's, that's the type of eclectic group of people I take care of on a day-to-day -day basis. So we, we don't see a lot of pediatrics. Most of those are getting therapy in their, in their school system, but we do see quite a range of ages. So that's, that's my background. And on, on we'll go with today's session. Um, so, you know, please jump in. If you have a question, I'll do my best to answer, and we'll go from there. And if I can make my slides, make a, let's see, how about. You know, more and more these days, we're limited on, on time. And if you're traveling, you all, if you came by air, there was a limit on what you could take with you on the airplane unless you wanted to pay a big fee. So if we're going somewhere, we're not allowed to take a lot of extra baggage with us. And that means it's not like we're going to pack up the PT gym and take it somewhere. 
And so what, what are those valuable assets that we can take with us anywhere we go, whether it's working on Main Street USA or across the ocean? It's our, our head, our heart, and our hands. And I, those of you that are, it's, it's, it's crazy right now. We are in uncertain days about what health care will look like as we go into the start of Obamacare and the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, I know my patients, they want to get better yesterday. Um, it's not like I'm working with a, uh, an elite group of athletes, but um, their livelihood depends on getting back to work. And so my patients are asking me to get them back and get, I, I need this shoulder fixed and get, it, get me back to work as soon as possible. And so we're, we're constantly being pressured um, by our insurance companies, by our patients. Um, maybe there's a high demand in your department. Um, there's just a lot of people on a waiting list trying to get into your department for services, and there's just not a lot of open slots. Um, maybe there's staff vacancies. So there's a pressure. Let's get people better quicker. And I do think some of the manual techniques that are out there are really doing that for our patients. In the overseas situation, I, was, I had people that came. They would walk six hours to get to public transportation, and then it might be a five-hour trip by a bus to get to Bach Christian Hospital. How many times do you think I'm going to convince them to come back and see me? I might get a one or two shot um, visits with them. So I, I, I had to give up my best for that 45 minutes or that hour or whatever that I had with that patient. I had to give them what I thought was the very best because I may never see them again. What could I do in that 45 minutes that would make an impact on their ability to move? Okay? So that's, that's where we're at in this day and age, whether you're here or there. And uh, so... Uh, It's a challenge for all of us. It's not like the days when I first started where, oh, we've got, we've got two months. We can, we can, we can do this. Yeah. Exercise and let's bring out the hot packs and the ultrasound. Doesn't that feel real good? Uh, My nickname in my area is the Queen of Mean. When I, I went out to dinner about two months ago and one of my former patients yelled across the um, restaurant dining area, so, Miss Debbie, are you still making grown men cry? <laughs> so, whether you're Justin Verlander hurling a fastball 100 miles an hour, or you're Miss Debbie throwing a snowball 2 miles an hour, um, or you're using that shoulder to reach out and provide care, um, it is an amazing joint. And uh, one that I've, I've found fascinating and have been challenged by over the course of my career to do a better and better job in treating. Number one, you're saying to yourself if you're out of school, I am so glad gross anatomy is behind me. That was the killer course. And I mean, some the PT um, programs in Michigan, some of them are starting in the summer with let's drink gross anatomy from a fire hydrant. In the summer months, they're teaching gross anatomy and then fall starts. And I don't know if the programs that you all attended are set up that way. But um, can I just encourage you that gross anatomy and keeping up to date and keeping that refreshed in your head never goes out of style? Um, I taught... Um, 
and there's yeah, just all those wonderful things about the shoulder. I love all those muscles. I taught my, I had a PT aid class, if you will, for several years in Pakistan, and I emphasized anatomy. Through that was a main a main thing that I taught to the the guys and gals there, and it was as much a refresher for me as it was a learning experience for them. And even right now, um, when I left work on Thursday on Wednesday, I have a set of flashcards that I I grab from the physician the the PTA that works in my department. I grab from her desk so that as I'm doing my manual techniques, I can keep refreshing myself about. You know, the direction of muscle fibers, where are their connections on the bones, how everything, you know, because I, I forget some of that stuff. I mean, I, this week I've got an overload of total knees on my caseload. But next week, I, the, the, the orthopedic surgeons might send me four new shoulder patients. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're switch, I'm switching gears all the time, every 45 minutes or maybe every two, three hours going from one to the other, just kind of refreshing myself where, where the attachments are, how everything is, you know, lined up. Because as I do my palpation and as I do my um, manual techniques, I want to be spot on. And so, um, okay, yeah, so there's my pitch for um, just keep, keep those anatomy books around. Don't, don't relegate them to a distant shelf. And also, stay up in your mind how action and function work together. Every one of us in this room can tell us what the subscapularis does. I'm going to internally rotate my shoulder. But thinking about now what is the function of the subscapularis in a synergistic movement. I'm not going to ask because I sat in a class and they asked that same question and I, hmm, okay, what, what is that answer? Compresses and pulls downward on the humerus to give it joint stability and offset the vertical pull of the deltoid. You knew that, not like, you know, I was the one scratching my head. So we don't want to forget those functional components to all these muscles. Everything's working in a synergistic pattern around the shoulder. And so we want to keep that in mind. And we want to design our exercise programs around that. Um, nothing works individually on the shoulder. And so for me to just have somebody pull on a piece of TheraBand like this, doesn't translate into a lot of function um, after they leave my clinic. And so I want to design an exercise program along that way. And palpation, critical to what I do. I, I'm sure that my patients think that at the end of these fingers are steel tips. And as I make sweeping motion over their shoulder, go around the clavicle, go around the back to the scapula and find those trigger points, those myofascial points. And they go, <gasps> and then I'll say, oh, that's a sore spot. And we're going to just camp right there. And then I launch into a story about the, you know, we discuss the, the Green Bay Packers or we start talking about what the Tigers are doing. And pretty soon they're not really aware that I'm just continually giving them all this pain. They're, um, you know, you know, maybe I've, really camping on the pec minor, and that's really not a, a good spot. But that's what we need to do. Get, find those problematic spots in the muscle and, and really hone on them. You know, the rotator cuff, I think, really gets a bad rap. We blame everything on the rotator cuff, you know. The rotator cuff usually isn't the problem. It's just at the end of the day, it's the guy that suffers. 
Those, they're, they're there doing their job, but it's, they're not the main driver. They're not the main source of the problem. And so we look, need to look beyond, beyond the rotator cuff and uh, get to some of, those, some of those other stabilizing muscles. Um, when it, with, especially with someone that's got an impingement issue, I, I check, I go right to the pec minor, I go to the subclavius, and then I go around and I come in on the subscapularis. And I sweep those muscles and find areas where there's those hot spots. And that's when my steel fingers find a good spot and we just camp there for that minute, two minutes, and get those muscles released. And just even with that, those, those simple things, and all I've done, I may not even have pulled out a hot pack um, on any of these. This is just, you know, we just get started right away. And uh, the first time or two, I've, I've had many a patient say, now how did you know that was a sore spot? Or after I released the, the trigger point area, they said, did you do something like really kind of magical? Because all of a sudden, I got, I've got a lot more range of motion. And so when you, you, show, you run them through their range of motion, you find those hot spots in the muscle, you release those trigger points, and then you retest and see where your range of motion is. Is there, def, is there a decrease in their pain? Is there an de- increase in their range of motion? And, and they go like this. You're going to be the star of the day. You know, your patients are going to want to be, they're going to be wanting to come back because they saw results. And um, that, that's huge. The pec minor, I'm finding more and more that that, for my shoulder patients, is a, is, a, is a huge area to keep working on. Our lifestyle is such, we're all, we're, we're sitting. Our shoulders are forward. My poor patients get tired of me telling them to stand up and set your scapula back on the back, you know, get them back. They're, they're tired of it, but that's, that's the issue. You know, you get impingement stuff all the time because of, just because of how we sit in our lifestyle. Of, we're over computers, we're over desks, we're on our phones, whatever it is. And our scapula are all forward. They're getting tipped forward by a spasm going on in the pec minor. And then when we go to do this in a forward, in a protracted scapular position, well, no, is it any wonder that a guy who's, you know, running a chainsaw over his head like this, you know, two days later wakes up and his, you know, his subacromial area is just killing him. Or the lady who decided in my area, i got a lot of older ladies that still believe that there's such a thing as fall cleaning and spring cleaning. You know, and they get, they've got these high ceilings and they take these wonderful long-handled doohickeys and they start cleaning all the spider webs out of their closet, out of their, the corners of their rooms. But they're a little bit kyphotic, they're a little bit like this, and they're doing all this overhead work. And impingement syndrome just waiting to happen. You don't probably take care of any of those people, do you, that, that, that want to do that kind of stuff? Okay. So... Palpation really is guiding us to where, where we need to work and to start camping out and to start our treatment. And like I said, it makes me look really good, makes me look like I really know what I'm doing. And all I can say to my patients is, you know what, I know where to start looking. You know, and, and I know where most problem spots are because human beings are all, you know, God's created us pretty well. You know, everybody's got, you know, deltoid and subscapularis. We all got the same group of muscles. So we know where we're going. You also want to look in the shoulder areas of hypermobility and hypomobility. Usually those are 
the issues around that really can throw your rotator cuff muscles into disarray and despair. Um, my favorite, you know, we've got the, the glenohumeral, we've got the AC, we've got the SC joints. My favorite these days uh, to start working on is the sternoclavicular. Now, well, it's been over 30 years. Um, sitting in manual therapy class at the University of Michigan, Dr. Cirex was the big name in manual therapy. He, he, was, he was the man. Um, and I have used since then, I have, I've done a lot of mobs on the glenohumeral joint, but I am sorry to say that it has only been in the last six years that I even took note of what in the world was going on with the clavicle. And I am so sorry for the pain that I put some of my frozen shoulder patients in back then because I didn't take note of what in the world was going on at the clavicle. Now, the mobs for the clavicle in an inferior and a posterior direction, if somebody is sore, they are a killer. If you've had it done to you or you're doing it to your patients, you know that, I mean, there's just nothing there. You're just pushing right on that bone. And I have a tad bit, I have a tendency, I'm all about getting it fixed. So I have a, I, I, I've got a heavy hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to get right in there, and I like to push and get that clavicle moving. And, I, I, you know, and when the <gasps> deep breath comes in from my patient, you know, that, that really hurts. And I said, well, you've got to grin and bear it till I get, you know, 10 repetitions, and I'll give you a break. But then I try to back off and, and give them a little bit of a break. But just to get in there and to mobilize on that clavicle, and then to see them go through range of motion. And, I mean... That's, they don't care that I have, that they've just endured 10 over 10 pain. They're, they're, they're okay with that because, you know what, that arm hasn't moved that high in two months. And they're just, wow, what did you do to me? You know? And so, I don't know. I, I like to see results, and I know my patients do too. So don't forget about um, what's going on in the clavicle. Um, if that's, you know, if you've, if you're, you're very familiar with all the, the manual techniques around the clavicle, um, great. There's a lot of courses out there that, that I've gone to that have helped me learn all that stuff, and I use it routinely, um, especially anybody that comes to you with any impingement issues. Um, I've got a lot of senior citizens in my area. We have a high retirement area. Uh, a lot of people like to hunt and fish when they're young, and then they think it's a great place to retire to when they get older, after they get to get out of the factory, so they come. And so, you know, it, it's very common for, you know, grandpa or grandma come into the department. And I'll say, well, you know, what happened to your shoulder? Well, you know, last winter I kind of slipped on the ice, but, you know, I didn't really slip. I, I you know, I just kind of fell into my car. You know, I kind of hurt my shoulder a little bit. Didn't really notice much going on. But you know what? Last week I was, I was trying to change a light bulb in the house, and, and I, this is where I was at. You know, that's as far as I could get. And um, so, look, you know, you, the, the clavicle kind of got jammed in there. Anybody that falls with an outstretched arm, um, a bang to the, you know, the head of the humerus, man, I'm right at the clavicle looking to see wh what the mobility is. And it's just a quick test. Put your fingers on the clavicle, have them raise their, 
their hands, just make sure that those two clavicles are depressing as they should when somebody reaches over their head. Real quick test to see how that's going. Then I move over and go over to the AC joint um, on the other end of the clavicle and mobilize that in a bit more of an uh, external rotation. So I'm pushing backward and I use the arm as a, a lever to help me as I'm doing that, pushing it back, get, trying to help reset that scapula and getting it back in um, where it needs to sit, kind of clears the area and so the supraspinatus can, can move a whole lot easier and not be jammed up against the AC joint. So um, I, I'm palpating all around the shoulder. I'm looking for those areas of more often hypomobility to mobilize. And then, of course, I'm going to design my exercise programs to work on the hypermobility. Usually the rhomboids have been you know, kind of ignored. And so you've got all kinds of sloppy movement going on on the scapula as they start to go overhead. And so design my program for that. But I'm constantly looking at their range, what their pain level is as they go through the range of motion. I'm doing my releases. I'm doing my mobilization, coming back and showing them, um, having them retest through their range of motion again. So constantly going back through that. And where this really, really came home for us, we had a gentleman who had a severe tear of his um, supraspinatus, and the, the physician was very concerned about how, you know, how much supraspinatus he was able to attach up and over the humerus. And so he immobilized this gentleman for an exorbitantly length of time. And all we were allowed to do was just do 90 degrees of flexion. Well, you know, Blue Cross gets a little tired about hearing about the fact that all we did was do, you know, 30 repetitions of flexion to 90 and a little abduction and, ooh, just a little bit of ER and, and IR. So we, we worked on that gentleman. We mobilized at the... We mobilized there at the clavicle, both ends. We worked on his scapula, kept all those, kept the, you know, the depression and the retraction going. He came out of his mobilization 10 or 12 weeks later when he had, was allowed then to go full, through full range of motion. And this, I, I was totally flabbergasted when we said, okay, you have permission by your physician to raise, raise that arm as high as you want. We were just looking at a few degrees short of full range of motion because we kept the clavicle and the scapula moving. And all we had to do was work on a little bit of strengthening, and he was back to work for our local electrical company. Um, I, I, I was impressed. I was sold. I was a believer. Okay. Um, something that I've been working on and working with just recently, um, this is a, a strategy that comes out of the U.K., one of our orthopedic surgeons in our region um, is quite a progressive young man and really looking. Um, he's trained at the Cleveland Clinic with some real names that, you know, in the world of orthopedic surgery apparently mean something. I, I, don't, I don't live in that world too often. But um, he was focusing on, and we have a lot of folks in our area that, you know, the hard work that they do, they tear their rotator cuff. They have a little bit of pain for maybe a couple months. And then you know what? That pain goes away. But you know what? I still can't go much farther than that to get my arm over my head. So they come to see us. they got to come for therapy for their requisite one month before they're allowed to go get their MRI. 
task. So after one month of not making any progress, yeah, we might have got their pain under control, but their range of motion actively is still like right about here. They go get their MRI, and their orthopedic surgeon says, oh, boy, you didn't just rip your, your, your rotator cuff last week, did you now? Well, this probably happened 10 years ago. Totally retracted, you know, supraspinatus. No chance of being able to pull it even close to the head of the humerus. No go on surgery. Well, um, this particular surgeon uh, was begged by, by my patient to please come up with something to do. I am too young for a total shoulder. Um, I'm 55. I have an active lifestyle. Give me something to try to do. If you can't do surgery, if you won't do surgery, find something for me to do that will help me. And out of the UK, and I can give you those, that resource um, after, the, the, um, after the session here, they're focusing on retraining the anterior deltoid. Now, we are just now starting to get quite a few folks with reverse total shoulders to our facility. Several of our orthopedic surgeons within a 120-mile radius of us are starting to do reverses. And so this is the same, basically this is the principle you're operating, although the, you haven't changed the concave and convex surfaces like you would in a reverse. But it's all about the anterior deltoid in a reverse total shoulder. You're, you're strengthening the, the deltoid to become the main mover for flexion. So with these folks that are, have your massive tears, and this has great application overseas because I, I had one orthopedic surgeon in the area where I worked, and yeah, he could be talked into doing some surgical repair on the shoulders, but he wasn't doing too many, you know, he wasn't doing too many um, repairs. I mean, we could get him to operate on, you know, he did knees and he did some other things, not total knees, but knee, knee surgeries. Um, but... It was limited. I mean, there just isn't, wasn't that many, there weren't that many orthopedic surgeons in Pakistan to send somebody to. And in most cases, it probably happened a long time ago. I mean, these are people doing hard physical work. So this would, I, I was just sorry that, you know, here again, I've learned something now a little bit removed from my time in Pakistan where this has great application, where surgery is not an option or is unavailable to retrain the anterior deltoid. And it's basically a similar, the exercise regime is you start, you, know, you get your people doing um, pendulum exercises, and that's a, that's a given. Um, in supine, start with more of a rhythmic stabilization, a small arc of movement, getting them to be in tune with the, what the anterior deltoid is, and gradually in supine, getting that arc bigger and bigger. So at the end of the day, they're going from at their side all the way over their head, having them do that for at least five minutes or until, until fatigue sets in, you know, three to five times a day. Well, when that becomes easy to do, then you have them put that, you know, the, that can of soup. You know, we've all been telling our patients to, to do the, grab the, what's in the pantry for your weight, a lightweight, and get them back. So have them back off, start working in the smaller arcs till they're going all the way from their side. So full range of motion. Once that's accomplished, then you start having them sit up, and, you know, semi-supine, semi getting more and more until they're, you know, able to stand. And it is amazing. Um, I've only had two cases that I focused on in this technique. And both cases, the um, folks, they followed through on the exercise routine and were very, very pleased with the results at the end of the day. Um, it's a, it's a, it, takes, it takes a while. Not as long as, you know, in our, in our, in our total, reverse total shoulder patients because you've got the, the convex and concave thing flipped, and so the anterior deltoid seems to take over a whole lot easier. But 
with the retraining, it does seem to be very effective. And um, I'm, I'm excited about using it. And um, I think keep that in your bag of tricks as you, you uh, those of you that may find yourselves working um, somewhere where, A, you can't, it's just, it's not available or it's, it's, it's somebody's just, um, you know, they've been told for whatever reason, health reasons, um, that their shoulder's unrepairable in that direction. And then the last item, and I just bring this to you. Um, these other things are all things that, you know, here, your head, your head, your heart, and your hands. But I just got to talk a second about the elastic tape. I'm loving that as an adjunct to what I do. So if I've, got, if I've done all my releases and I've done, I've done my work on um, getting joints mobilized, then to be able to put a piece of tape over the deltoid that's been, you know, this is one of my favorite tapings um, of the upper extremity, cover the deltoid in an inhibition taping technique going from insertion to origin. Um, it's like, you know, my patients always say, well, could you come home with me and do this tomorrow? You know, well, this is the best I can do with sending me home with them. And then if I was in a, in a more significant case, I would also then just put a strap right over the center of the, um, the, mid, the lateral deltoid. I would also probably put another strap there of the elastic tape. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I have no financial interest in, in any of the brands of elastic tape out there, but I think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing. A lot of good courses out there for you to follow up, and I think it's, it's a worthwhile thing. Not maybe so much if we're traveling in, across the ocean somewhere because you end up using up all your resources. I mean, you just cannot take enough um, elastic tape in your, in your suitcase to, to strap up everybody. But um, for here or um, for a short period of time, it would be a good adjunct to your care and to have in your bag of tricks. Um, so that's, I've, just, I've just fell in love with the... Um, the elastic taping, upper extremity, lower extremity, back. And um, my husband just thinks that um, it was well worth the time and effort for me to go to a course, if nothing else, just to keep his shoulder happy and healthy. And I leave you with um, God's word to physical therapists. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, do not... Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And uh, for all the reasons that you went into physical therapy, and I hope they are not just to restore mobility and to decrease pain or to help um, increase someone's functional abilities, and those are all fantastic reasons, but physical therapists, you have a golden opportunity here or there to impact the lives of the people that come to see you voluntarily um, and allow you to touch them, to allow you to impact their lives, spend time, um, help them. And that is a, that is a valuable opportunity I don't, you know, I don't get to, you know, I don't get to preach. I don't get to say a lot. 
Um, I talk openly um, about stuff that goes on in my church. Um, I talk every now and then something will come up and I'm able to talk about my time in Pakistan. And that's a great lead-in for what in the world were you doing in Pakistan, you know. And so that opens some doors. But we have a marvelous, marvelous opportunity to bring a cup of cold water to those that are thirsty as physical therapists. And I pray that every day on the way to, way to work. Lord, may, to, may today somebody cross my path that needs a cup of cold water. And may I be the servant to bring it to them. And for all those reasons you work right here are all the same reasons and even more so why physical therapists have a wonderful opportunity. I, I did a lot of um, burn care in Pakistan. And so I saw, I had people that stayed in our hospital that I took care of every single day for months. That's a lot of time to talk about hope, to show love, to pray for, to pray with, um, for them to see you reaching out to them. And sometimes my patients were unconscious, so I wasn't, that patient lying there totally unconscious as I'm ripping off a bandage, um, causing them great pain. Um, I ministered to families by the way I ministered to their loved one. Maybe I, maybe I never got to say a thing to the patient because they were so sick, they were unconscious, and then they passed. But we were able to minister to families. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been convinced that physical therapy is the unsung occupation and ministry platform for missions. Ministry takes time. And in, in a Muslim context... Um, one of, my, one of my dearest friends that I spent the last four or five years um, enjoying a, a wonderful friendship with, I got to know her because her, grandpa, her grandfather had high blood pressure, and he kind of had, a, he, he blacked out, and he was sitting right by the family fire there, and he put his foot into the fire. And so Grandpa had to come to our department for whirlpool and dressing change, and granddaughter came with him. And... You know, I'm not going to say a whole lot to Grandpa. I mean, this is a male-female thing, you know. But he was, he was a, an older gentleman, so that was no issue. But, but she came. And um, our friendship developed much later after I took care of her grandfather. And she showed up with no medical need. And she came in and she said, I need to talk to you, Miss Debbie. She said, I didn't like you when I first met you because you know what? You're an American. You probably like George Bush. And the Americans, the Americans, you know, um, support Israel all the time, you know. And so I really didn't like you. But I'm here to tell you now, six months later, she said, I've been thinking about you. She said, I want you to be my friend. And she wasn't the patient. And Tanya and, and I had, you know, we developed a marvelous friendship. Had some opportunity, not, not a lot, but we had some open doors to share faith. I was at her wedding. I was, you know, I was considered a member of the family. And when I said goodbye to Tanya, the last day I was in Pakistan, her father said to me, Miss Debbie, you 
have become my daughter. And you became a friend to my girls. I trained my girls to think differently than their classmates. And so they don't have a lot of friends. And they don't have a lot of, even in their family, they don't have a lot of friends. But you came into their lives. Thank you for doing that. And if it would have been appropriate, that man would have given me a hug. But it was not appropriate. But, um, you know, those are the opportunities that exist for us as we open our hearts to those around us. So not, not just here, but if God should call you overseas. And uh, I hope I've left you with a, a little food for thought on the shoulder, but also to consider how you can take your skills and gifts and reach across um, cultural and uh, all the other barriers, geographical barriers. Um, you, go with, you go with skills that the world desperately needs. And uh, so I commend you and <coughs> wish you God's blessing as you go back to your, your studies or your clinics. And uh, may you be that one that brings a cup of cold water to all that cross your path. Thank you. And I would welcome any questions. I, I didn't touch much on Pakistan, but, um, I mean, that wasn't the, the, uh, the, the focus of this. But. And remember the, um, the session later today at 4 o'clock, correct? Right. But it's not just for physical therapists. It's actually open to any therapist. Oh, okay, yeah. Because, oh, that's right. We have a, yeah, we have a, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. We have a, okay. Larry, how are you? This gentleman in the front row... I learned about Mr. Golan when I was a teenager, and as I was studying in, uh, I was uh, going into physical therapy, and he, there was a gentleman that went to Bangladesh and worked at the same hospital that Mr. Golan did, and, and I was encouraged that there was somebody out in the mission world that was doing physical therapy, because I had read about and heard about Mr. Golan, and so thank you for your um, inspiration to me. Years and years ago, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you're you're from you're from the north as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Yep. I thought we I thought we had that in common. Yeah. 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 Yep. We sure do, and you, you all have been very kind. So thank you. I'm still doing, even at retirement. Uh huh. I'm doing physical therapy. The doctors, men, and I bet. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that's, I uh, love that. That's great. That's great. And I just got back from Liberia. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I just saw 100 patients in two weeks. And yep. I've been using more and more indirect muscle energy uh-huh. for people's problems. Sure. And uh, I find a good majority of people with shoulder problems have, have problems with their cervical spine. Absolutely. And uh, I, I do... Your indirect muscle energy is, is it where you find that uh, you have uh, flex rotated side bend rotator scoliosis on the mm-hmm. left or right. Sure. And I put my hand in their forehead and let that rest, and I feel uh, the uh, dynamic balance point, and it starts pulsing yeah. away on me. And I put those cervical uh, vertebrae, the transverse processes, back into their where they belong. Uh-huh. And they get immediate relief. Mm. It's great to see. Oh, our hands, yeah, our number one tools. Yeah, that's I, right. I don't have any equipment. Right, that's right, yeah. And I don't have anything. So 
I use my fascial release. Absolutely, so yeah. When I uh, work on the knee of uh, supraspinatus and get yeah. that re- re- reset, uh, uh, um, string kind of string yeah. when I have to. I must say, I didn't really, you know, all that physics that I was supposed to have had and understood in college, I thought that, you know, there's, you know, take my little ultrasound machine to Pakistan, it's 220 and I've got a 110 machine here, I'm going to plug it into my transformer and everything's going to be wonderful. You know, there's this little thing called hertz and cycles and stuff. That transformer didn't do squat for that, those cycles that were all out of whack. And so, you know, my, my, my ultrasound machine never did work in Pakistan. So, you know, that was, so yeah. I, I used that, that method also for the thoracic spine yeah. and for especially the lumbar spine yeah. and the sickle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you're, you're talking people that are carrying things, using their bodies like bulldozers. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, give them an exercise program that yeah. after we fix them, they yeah. program so they don't yeah. go back to it. Yeah, and and speaking of exercise programs, this is just a this is just has nothing to do with shoulder. But if you're giving out exercise, I found overseas there was this ten wonderful exercises that I really like for the shoulder. After I got past the third one, I think they just clicked off. So I, you know, I really just had to pick. You know, these are my top three, and sent them home with three good ones, and, and I hope maybe they did one or two. And you know what? I'm finding that in America. I'm finding the same principle. You know, um, Mr. Smith comes in to see me. He doesn't want to spend an hour doing his shoulder and shoulder exercises. Give me something I can do, 15, 20 minutes, and let me go on my business. Even though I'm retired and don't have anything on my schedule, I still don't want to be spending more than 20 minutes or so doing your exercise program. So, you know, just bear that in mind. I was, I was one of those. I, I shake my head when I think back. You know, 20 years ago, my goodness, 20 exercise later, you know, I'm, I'm sending people home with the program. So, you know, crazy. But you live and learn. Those are the things you learn along the way. So. Yeah. BHI is a good program for in, in the Internet, in Spanish and English. Okay. To, to be able to choose your exercise program. BHI. Okay. BHI. And that's not something. Oh, V. VHI and that's on and that's on the internet yeah. rather than and that's is that a free is that free? Not free. You have to purchase that. Okay, because I think we have. Okay, because I was going to say I think I might have something along those lines in my clinic. It's something that, I, that we purchased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that's another interesting thing. I found that in Pakistan, you know, that if folks that were my illiterate, the folks that were illiterate, I had to really spend a lot of time kind of talking through those diagrams because that. That was a different concept to them. Now, my younger patients that had gone to school, et cetera, they, that, that was something they were used to in their books. But the older folks that maybe hadn't had much schooling and hadn't, the, 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 the diagrams and exercise programs really had to work through that with them, help them to understand that, because that was a really foreign thing to try to follow. What was that picture trying to say? So thank you so much, folks, for your time. Sure appreciate it.